So we are in week three of our series, Word, where we're just jumping into why do the 4640 pastors love the Bible? Like, what is it? Because so many times people think of the Bible as an ancient book that's kind of dead and not really relevant to their lives. But week after week, we've come up here and we've explained why we are passionate about the Bible, why it is our deepest hope and wish in prayer that you two will fall in love with the Bible. Now that might seem weird, you're like, really? Fall in love with a book? But there's something different and something specific about the Bible that makes it better, awesomer than just a book because it's actually alive and active. So if you haven't caught week one and week two of the series, we encourage you to jump on our podcast and get caught up so you know kind of where we're coming from and why we're seeing some of the stuff we do. But tonight, I want to begin with 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us where we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And students, if I could communicate one thing clearly tonight, I want you to know this from the bottom of my heart. It doesn't matter how good something looks. It doesn't matter how happy it might make you in the moment or how much fun it seems or, or how rich or successful you think you might become. How deeply spiritual it might appear to be, how sensible it seems to your mind, how popular or how accepted it is. If something is contrary to the word of God, it is ultimately harmful and it will bring sorrow to your life. And the bottom line for each one of us that we have to wrestle with as Christians is, do I truly believe that God's wisdom, that God's word is perfect? Do I truly trust him to lead me to what is best in my life? Because every human being has to solidify that answer in their own heart. The fact that I believe that to be true doesn't help you on a Wednesday morning when 4640 is done. You have to decide. You have to decide that either God's word is right and perfect in all cases, or you have to decide that you feel that you are better off making your decisions independent of God. And I really, I just urge you through the rest of the series, we got two more weeks, through the rest of the series, settle that inside your heart. Make a decision for how significant and how much weight you're gonna get, give to the word of God in your life because there is nothing good for you outside of God's word, outside of God's wisdom, nothing good at all. You know, I think like what we're asking them is kind of a big ask though. It's like, you're asking me to like every decision all my life based on what we see as a book. Mm -hmm. And obviously when we start thinking about a book, it's words on a page that can be like changed, altered, all of these things. So like, how can we be sure that the Bible is accurate so that we can put trust in something? You're right, we're absolutely making a huge ask as the 4640 pastors. We right. are asking you to base your life on this book. We're asking you to study it, to dig into it for yourself and to see that the boundaries that the Bible sets up are really what's best. And we're stating emphatically, this is the best way to live your life. And we don't just want you to take our word for it. We want you to take God's word for it. And we want you to dig in and study. We want you to recognize that the Bible is a divinely inspired gift from God that's there to, to lead us towards all truth. 
But a little background, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Will explained that the Bible is made up of 66 much smaller books, and it was written in various languages over the course of 1,500 years. He didn't go into all this, but, but we know that the Bible was actually authored from a human perspective by 40 different men that lived on three separate confident continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, and that over the course of 1,500 years, these men wrote the Bible. Now, they came from all walks of life. There were shepherds, kings, taste testers. Uh, there were medical doctors, tax collectors, guys who sewed tents for the living. There were some men that served in the military. There were fishermen, all kinds of backgrounds. And there was no chance, since these 40 men lived over 1,500 years, there was no chance for them to get together and make an outline. They couldn't make an outline of, this is what we should say first, and this should be our main theme, and, yeah. and let's kind of pull it along this direction, and, and let's make these types of statements early on so we can answer these types of statements later on. In other words, there couldn't be a conspiracy. They didn't live in the same generation. So over the course of this 1,500 years, the Bible came together, yet you can read it and sense one theme. You can read it and see that there's no contradiction. Yeah. There is... 1,022 pages in my personal Bible, and there's no contradiction, and I know it because I've read it cover to cover over 15 times. And the fact that these Bible writers could never have come together and, and conspired to do that lets us know that there's some divine intervention going on in that. Right, and so I guess like, and I, I feel like it's not just me who's ever wondered this, but like, how do we know that it hasn't been tampered with? How do we know yeah. people haven't? added stuff in, taken away, like what proof do we even have of that? Yeah, this is a great question. We actually have tons of proof. Compared to any other ancient manuscript, which you think all the writings of Socrates, for example, um, all the different ancient manuscripts from around the same era, the quantity of ancient manuscripts from that era dating 150 BC that we have of the Bible far exceed the number of ancient manuscripts of any other piece of literature, political writing, or religion. We actually have paper copies, like written on parchments that are from the years 150 BC. Wow. That we can, I don't have them, but they're on display in various <laughs> museums, they're being preserved around the world. But you can look at, for example, a copy of the book of Isaiah which is a book of, in the Old Testament, kind of in the middle of the Bible, and you can look at the ancient, or scientists can on our behalf, look at the ancient copies on these handwritten note scraps that have disintegrated slightly over, you know, 2,000 some years, and we can look at them and we can compare them to what we have in our current modern day Bible. Mm. And guys, we can compare word for word, concept for concept, and see that the Bible has not been tampered with. Most other ancient writings of any historical significance have nowhere close to the number of multiple copies in such good condition to show us that. Another crazy cool thing is we have copies of the New Testament that contain most of Paul's letters. That means like Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, um, Corinthians, Romans, all those books of the Bible, we have them that date 100 AD. Now we think that Jesus was alive on the planet somewhere between one, two, and he was born around three or four AD, and we think he lived to somewhere between 30 and 40 AD. <laughs> so we have handwritten copies of the Bible preserved within 60 years of when Jesus walked the planet. 
And we can, or researchers on our behalf, can look at those handwritten copies in their ancient languages and assure us and have many times that concept for concept, word for word, those books that were translated, we can compare back to the ancient manuscript and say it's the same thing. We can look at it. And you can travel. You can buy a ticket to England. Some of these are on display in England. Many of them are held um, in treasuries in, in the Vatican, in Rome, and in Italy areas. And we can compare these ancient texts to what we have today, and we can be confident. There are actually 6,000 different handwritten copies of the Bible that date back to the first centuries that show us and prove to us that there is no tampering. 6,000. Wow. Different that's, copies. That's a lot. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and, and go view them. Like, if you're really wondering if it's worth basing your life on, save up your money and go view them. Or even go <laughs> online and look at the pictures that are available to you of people like scientists taking pictures of glass through um, the Bible on display in these glass cases and see the accuracy that we can be confident of. They weren't in English back then, though. No, they were, they were in Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> so you have to learn to speak the ancient languages or trust the advisors. Right. And then buy your plane ticket. So you might you you got a few spend steps. a little bit of money. Sure. It is a big investment. <laughs> now, these facts are incredibly intense and kind of overwhelming, but also I want to take it one step further. Like, how can we trust the accuracy of the statement that Jesus Christ or that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, that he's who he claims to be. Think of this. The Old Testament of the Bible that was written before Jesus was born, they believe that it was completed, what we have as the Old Testament is completed over a thousand years before Jesus was born. And the Old Testament contains tons of awesome stories and historical data, but also 300 specific predictions or prophecies mm -hmm. that when the Messiah comes, he will have to do this if he's the Messiah 300 times, 300 wow. specific prophecies that are written. And they've been recorded in those 6,000 different copies of the Bible that we have that date back to the first centuries. They've been recorded since way back then. And we can see them today. 300 prophecies the Messiah would have to fulfill. And we have evidence in the New Testament that Jesus fulfilled every one of those 300 prophecies, yeah. every one. Now, to us, that, that doesn't seem as shocking as it really, need, really should be, so let me share a verse with you from Hebrews 10. It says, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. So we kind of want to let you know, like what the mathematical, scientific kind of probability <laughs> of, of Jesus or any human on the planet ever fulfilling the number of prophecies that we're talking about. So if you really want to base your life on the word, you have to be able to know and understand it can hold up to the scrutiny that you may need to put it under. It absolutely yeah. can. So science Joe is going to help me uh, with this illustration <laughs> and make this super clear. Science and math okay. Joe. So there was a scientist in the mid-1900s, a scientist specifically named Peter Stoner, he published a book. <laughs> I know. I need a yeah. minute. <laughs> I don't really buy it. His, it's fine. It's a great his, last name. It's Peter. not his fault that his last name was Stoner, okay? <laughs> he published a book called Science Speaks, and it, in it evaluated the mathematical probability and scientific probability of any man in the history of the planet fulfilling eight of the prophecies. Now, how many did I say Jesus fulfilled? 300. 300. 300. So this is the mathematical probability of fulfilling only eight, any eight. And this is how we find it out. It is 
So going math on you, it is one to the seventeenth uh, power. <laughs> this That's is what... one followed by seventeen zeros, or one hundred quadrillion. One in one hundred quadrillion. That's the scientific probability of one man any time in the history of the planet who cheated. I did. There's a lot of zeros. Yeah, 17 zeros. No. That's not even, that's 100,000 quadrillion. I don't know. That's a whole different number. Come on, science Joe. Numbers okay. are hard. W- one with 17 zeros is the correct answer. <sighs> you only have six. Yeah. Nine. So one to the 17th power of, of fulfilling 15. eight. Jesus didn't fulfill eight. He fulfilled 300. But in case that number feels too abstract to you, your commas are going to be in the wrong spot. 17 is not divisible by three. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. It's got to be one zero zero and then commas. You got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm really okay. Glad you so, in you. case this number isn't resonating with you and bringing you tons of meaning in your life, um, <laughs> let me paint the visual picture. That's there. You, that looks great, Science Show. Nailed it. Nailed it. So, this is the visual p- picture that is described to us to understand the number 100 quadrillion. It is equivalent to taking one silver dollar, painting it red, and then taking that silver dollar and matching it with 100 quadrillion additional silver dollars not painted red. And then if you did that, you would cover the entire state of Texas in silver dollars. That's how much room it would take. The entire state of Texas, two feet deep in silver dollars, one of which would be painted red. Let's then imagine that you put a blind man on a helicopter that was blind from birth and could see absolutely nothing, and then you allowed that blind man to be piloted around in his helicopter to wherever he wanted. And at whatever moment he said stop, the pilot would put down the helicopter, said blind man would get out, said blind man would choose from anything around and near him and pick up one silver dollar off the surface, off the bottom, off the middle, anywhere in the two feet deep of the entire state of Texas. If he drew the red silver dollar, that would be one in 17 quadrillion. That is the probability. Nice. Yeah. That's the blind guy Uh on his helicopter. Uh Uh-huh. That's Texas. That's pretty accurate. Yep. I think that's a great drawing. Yeah. One in 17 quadrillion, or one in 100 quadrillion, one to the 17th power. Now, here's the next thing. Jesus fulfilled how many? Three. What? 300. 300. 300. That's eight. (laughs) So let's just up the ante a little. Let's just say... Eight is less than 300. It is less. Yeah. How many less, Science Joe? 292. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's just up the ante a little. You got one thing right so far. Yep. Let's say that, that any man in the history of the world fulfilled 16 prophecies. Okay. 16 of the 300. Let's just like see 16, how much like that ups the math. More. Okay. Okay. So what it would do is it would basically mean that you would need um, one to the 45th power silver dollars. <laughs> so that would be one followed by 45 zeros. That's divisible by three. That's gonna so take you, you a can, while. You can do that. So one to the 45th power, basically let's go back to the visual thing. Again, we have one silver dollar painted red. We would need to amass one to the 45th power additional silver dollars. To pile those together, it would create a sphere so big of solid silver dollars, a sphere so big that it would be greater than the diameter of the earth to the sun. Wow. 
times 60. 60 times the diameter of the Earth to the sun, which would be 5.5 billion miles in diameter. Show us like a diameter. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Across. That's the sun. That's the sun. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. And what here's the Earth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Earth. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That. Diameter <laughs> times 60. Times 60. Yeah. Equals. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Equals one to the 45th power. Okay. Yeah. Now, imagine you had your one silver dollar. You amassed your sphere of silver dollars 60 times the distance, the earth to the sun. It's very large. This is not to scale. Big. Um, <laughs> then imagine you decided with a, like a jet pilot to fly around the sphere that I just described. It takes one 24-hour period to fly around the planet Earth. It would take, um, you would have had to start flying around the sphere we just created um, the day that the pilgrims landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1620 oh. to have completed the sphere, and you would almost be complete, but not quite. Wow. That's how Wait, big... you can't do that. What do you mean? You can't... Fly, because there's no airplanes. There's back no there. airplanes. Yeah, I mean, that's where this breaks down a little. Out of luck. Okay, so let's pretend now that we put our blind man on the jet sometime, any time in history. He's in there. He's, he's there on the jet. Where's the jet? I missed the drawing. I'm oh, there. yeah, he's there. Huh. Yeah. Okay, the blind man's in there. I can't see him, no, which is ironic because he can't see me either. <laughs> okay, so the blind man in the jet is now flying, or I don't know, maybe it's an astronaut thing. Somebody has to be like a rocket ship. But he's flying around <laughs> said sphere that is 5.5 billion miles in its diameter. He chooses one silver dollar from the surface, the middle, anywhere he wants, removes one silver dollar, what's the probability that he would grab the one silver dollar that is painted red? One to the 45th power. And that's the mathematical probability of any human being in the history of the universe, of the world, since humankind came to be, fulfilling 16. And how many prophecies did Jesus fulfill? 300. Friends, I say all this because I need you to know that the Bible predicted this long before. And I need you to understand with all the urgency in me that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the son of the living God, that he came down from heaven to forgive our sins and to restore our relationship with humanity. And he has the authority to tell us how to live. And he did so in the Bible and we can be confident that's reliable and untampered with. And that's why I wanna go back to 2 Timothy chapter three and read a little bit more of the context of the verse I opened with. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is right in our lives. It corrects us where we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's right. And now that we know the Bible's legit and like it holds weight and it holds to it, that is why our prayer is so big that we want you to fall in love with it, right? We want you to read it. We want you to learn it, to live it, to apply it to your everyday lives. But y'all, the truth is, is that sometimes we struggle with it still. Right, the Bible holds so much truth and so much weight, but yet I struggle to still get into it. See, I know like last week we talked about a bunch of different ways to study the Bible, to go over the Bible, to get into the Bible, but to be honest, y'all, like spending 30 minutes a day reading the Bible is what I thought, and then you had to like pray for 30 minutes right after that, which 
It's cool if that works for you, that's great. That does not work for me, right? That sounds daunting and that like just exhausts me. And let me tell you, okay, I am nowhere near a morning person, okay? <laughs> like I, I wish that I had it all together by like 7 a.m. But um, I mean, if we're like being completely honest is I am like scrambling every single morning just to get it together. You're gonna love kids. I, <laughs> it terrifies me, <laughs> no. You'll be a morning person, you have to be. No, no, we got, we got plenty of years for that. You have to be up, you don't have to like it when you have kids. It's true. That's true. I don't like but it. But I, I don't like being up. See, so like most mornings, like the thought of like spending an hour in the word, just, it doesn't really excite me. And it doesn't really like make me want to get into the word. And if that works for you, please keep doing it. Like if you love that, please keep doing it. But for me, I can't, right? My personality is like, I, I like have to be moving. Um, well, I wake up very last minutes, which forces me to keep moving and going and like getting to work early-ish. 10 minutes early. I like don't think I've seen you at work early. <laughs> okay, but anyway. Your work hours start at 1 p.m. <laughs> so I am up at 12.59 <laughs> on Wednesdays. Come on. But it's in those moments that I still get to spend time with the Lord. And so for me, I have to mix it up. Like most days, it does not look the same at all. Like some days, yes, on a good day, the Lord has woken me up early, super early, and I got to read like my paper Bible. I got my journal, probably lost a pen somewhere. Like some mornings, that is great. Some mornings that works excellent for me. But y'all, that is not a reality for me every day. And that's like the beautiful part about having different personalities. And that's what I love the most about the Lord is that there really is no right way or wrong way or perfect way to spend time with God, but find something that excites you. Maybe it is a new app. Maybe it is getting into the word every morning. Maybe it's getting a new Bible for you that excites you to get into it. So like, I, I get where you're coming from, Pastor Brittany. And so I think sometimes, for, even for most of us, when we're like doing trying to get quiet times, we like call the quiet times and then we have this idea in our head, but sometimes it just feels like you're stuck. You, right. You're trying to like open the Bible, you're trying to like get some, th something from it. And at first maybe it's really exciting, but at some time point, like you just kind of like, it feels boring and dry, but there's still this like thing going on that you have to do something. What do you do? Change it up. Y'all, I don't know like who needs to hear this or just to know that you do. You have permission to mix it up. Like you legit do not have to be in the word every single morning reading a paper Bible, like find something that excites you. If you feel like it's dry or you feel like it is daunting, then mix it up and find something that you love. See, my favorite thing is that, yes, I love having my paper Bible, but I also love listening to the Bible. I love hearing other people's perspective of, it, of, of how they interpret the Bible. I love it. And I love having the audio and the visual with me. And a few years ago, I found this app. It's called Through the Word. And now y'all, this app, if you have like any sort of smartphone, Android, anything, iPad, tablet, gotta name it all, download this app, okay? Because for me, this app, it, it's amazing, okay? This is what gets me into the Word. This is what excites me into it. And I know that like, sometimes y'all, we do hear a lot about how, man, the Bible just feels a little bit confusing. And like, I, I kinda don't understand, and, and you guys tell us to jump into it, but like, 
um, how and if I just open up my Bible, then what is actually going on? Okay, this app is amazing because through the word breaks it down chapter by chapter, book by book. And there's actually a pastor on it who does a little intro first that tells you exactly what is happening. And that's way less weird than like Pastor Will showing up at your house <laughs> while you try to put on your mascara. Uh, you know, my dog might attack him, so that'd be just a little bit Pastor weird. on the app's better. Mm-hmm. The, the app, amazing. Pastor Will, weird. Okay, but it's awesome because like this app legitimately breaks it down exactly what's happening. Who's king in that time? What is the history of what's going on? Is Jesus alive or not? There are so many things, key verses, everything that this pastor breaks it down for you. So it is not confusing at all. All right, show us how it works. Okay, okay, since you just keep asking, I'll just, I'll just I'm team, I'm team paper Bible because that's what I fell in love with, but right. I like to mix it up. Okay, so. good. Because, all right, so y'all know Pastor Will went over the Bible app with you guys last week, but um, this one, it's a little bit different, and for me, it's a little bit more simple. Is it going to bring it up, Jer? Whoop. There we go. Skip. 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 Oh, skip. He wa- What is going on? It's malfunctioning. He, oh, I but you out. the Bible signed me out. I uh, promise I read it this that's morning. That's what the logo looks like, though, if you're Can in the you app see it? through the word. Don't look at my password. Oh, zoom it in nice, Jeremy. Come on. Fix don't, it, Jerry. Don't yeah, read Jeremy. my password, Jerry. You have this fancy camera. Wait. Make it happen. Jerry, Overdid don't, it. don't look at my password. <laughs> Everyone get what? Brittany's password? Brittany, I didn't doesn't even, even know you. Do you even read your Bible? I promise this is embarrassing. I read my Bible. All right. Come on. <laughs> See, it remembers me. Does that it? was weird, y'all. Okay. But anyway, Jer, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Thank you. iPhone 11 problems, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, you have an Just iPhone kidding. 11? Yeah. You're cool. My other one stopped working. It's pretty awesome. Don't even joke. Okay, thank you. The Bible is up and running. So this is what the home screen looks like. Now the coolest part about this app is that you'll see Bible Journeys. So Bible Journeys, when I first found this app a couple years ago, I actually followed each individual Bible journey. I think there's like 20 something of them. And that took me through the entire Bible. Now some journeys are like 90 days, some are 80 days. But like I said earlier, is that that pastor breaks it down for you exactly what is happening. So you could go through, you could have a Bible journey, or you could even just pick through the Old Testament or the New Testament. So if you click on like the New Testament, there's Matthew, that's in the New Testament. And then there's Matthew one, and it says audio guide on it. And so what happens is if you click it, on comes a pastor. Now the- see the guy. Well, is it's not his face, it's his voice. Oh, okay. I was so, like, I want to know if he's in like a tweed jacket, like a no, boreal guy, or you if know, he's, he's They're kind of older cool. because like, it's kind of weird if you see his face, but I tried to imagine it and then it bugged me and I Googled it. Nothing like he sounds. Oh, okay. It was weird. But if you click it, it'll go through exactly, okay, what is happening in the book of Matthew? And then there's also um, a part where you can actually, it's so awesome, y'all. So if you click it, and then there is a thing called passage. Now that is the Bible for you. So if you're like me and you want an audio and a visual, this is perfect for you. Um, the only weird part about the Bible app or through the word is that you can't highlight verses. I would say that's kind of like, that's something that I miss from the Bible app, which I really enjoy. So if I'm listening to it while I'm getting ready in the morning, I'll just screenshot 
something that stood out to me because I'm also trying to follow along too while doing my mascara. And so I'll just screenshot Joe has it. Joe a problem every morning too. Every yeah. day. So weird. It looks great though, Joe, it's okay. And so I'll screenshot it and then I'll go into my personal Bible, into my paper one, and I'll highlight it and now I have that verse in there. And so it's amazing. So you can go through all these different Bible journeys. I have one right now that I'm doing that is called Follow God. And so that is taking me through the book of Luke, Acts, and Numbers. And so every time you hit like Luke 1, it's gonna come up with the guy talking to you, telling you what's happening exactly, like every single thing that you need to know. And that journey focuses on how can we follow God? And so it's so cool that like all these journeys are designed for all these different things. You know, their start, foundations, law and grace. So it takes you through every piece of, every piece of the Bible. It's amazing, y'all. So a while ago, I had this realization that if I wanted to say like a verse like of, from the Bible on stage as a worship pastor, that I would probably need to have it memorized. Because if I was like sitting there with my mic and guitar and stuff, and I needed to like a verse and I didn't have it, I would literally have to turn my back to everybody, put my guitar down, pick <laughs> up a Bible, look for the verse, find it, find the right light to read it, and then read it like this to everybody, and then shut the Bible, turn around, set it down, pick up my guitar, and then let's get back into the moment, right? And I was like, I don't think that that whole process is gonna be too smooth. So I thought, you know, maybe I should start memorizing some scripture, like scriptures, like Bible verses. I, I did it as a kid, but I forgot them all. So I was like, you know, I should probably do this. And so I also too found an app because there's always an app for something. If you're just like, I wonder if there's an app for Jeremy, that. Jeremy, he found an and app. And there's an app for that. Jeremy, Jeremy, hey. Jeremy, roll out your camera. Where are you going? Oh. Why'd you leave? Jeremy got bored when you were talking, Joe. He's like, I'm out. Bummer. Anyway, it's cool. It's this, all right, so <laughs> it's not the neatest. It's a good app for memorizing scripture, but you'll see. I don't have anything Eventually, like, when Jeremy gets here, you'll see. Yeah, so it looks like this. See, I'm just, you just, Oh. Yep, yep, yep. yep. All right. Which one is it? Okay, I guess we're doing this. Yep, that's uh, not awkward. So you what? see the little cross heart? Oh, it's like a girl's diary app. Oh, yep. your journal. That's your memory app? Yep. Oh. It's like the worst logo. I've been waiting for them to change it for years to just something no. more neutral. So their logo sucks, but the app. Right, okay. So <laughs> it's, what's cool about it, right, is so I've got this, this thing, and I, basically what I do is anytime I find a verse, so let's say I'm reading on the Bible app or through the Word or in my paper Bible, and I see a verse that I just like, that I'm like, oh, that would be good, or for this, or whatever, I go, oh, I want to I wanna put it in. So I go into like I just start putting in scriptures. Oh my gosh, this is so much harder than everybody made it look. You could just look at your phone. Could I just look at my phone? Why don't you switch seats? Hey, I'm gonna switch seats, come here. There's no seating order. All right, so then what I do, all I gotta do here is I just have to hit add, (laughs) and I hit add, and then I type in the verse, I can pick which translation, and then I hit save. So I've got like 65 verses in this bank that I'm waiting to memorize. I haven't started memorizing those. Now, I've also got- So you're 65 (laughs) verses behind? Not behind, no. They're just in storage, ready. Because I have five that are due, right? Okay. So I've got five verses here. So I've got Philippians four, Hebrews ten, and so the. And what's cool about it is when I start memorizing a verse, it's going to give it to me every day for a while. So like it quizzes you? Yeah, it quizzes me. It's like, hey, what's Philippians four six through seven? And then it quizzes me, and then it quizzes me the next day. But then it might wait a day before it 
brings it up again. Then it might wait two days, three days, to where now, like for a verse that I've worked on for a long time, it waits like 90 days to show it to me. So I have to make sure oh, it's wow. short-term memory and long-term memory kind of thing. You so got to prove it long-term. Absolutely. <laughs> and so I can do these little flashcards and it's like Philippians 4, 6. And it's like, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace which passes all human understanding, right? So I, oh, so you, I the scriptures, Hebrews 10, 23 is don't, uh, no, it's let, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Ooh. So I have these scriptures and I review them as often as it tells me to. So I've got like 82 known passages of scripture. Well, you have 82 memorized? Yeah. That's not you're working on, that's like what you got? Yeah, that's what I've got yeah, kind of in my head. Mind. Now, Damn. at first I said, can I switch your spots now? No. Cool. <laughs> that's because Joe needs size 14 font. <laughs> I do, because I, I can't see very well. So at first I, I did this because I was like, I, I got to have these scriptures like ready to go when I'm on stage. So if it comes to my mind, I can do it. But I also experienced a bunch of other benefits. There's this verse in Ezekiel 3.10. It says, then he added, son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Yeah. So I started working on these scriptures. I started like letting his words sink deep into my own heart through this memorization. And all of a sudden I realized something. It's like, how many times have you heard a sermon or like read a Bible verse? And you're like, I know exactly who needs this verse. And you're not even thinking about yourself. You're like, my mom needs to read this verse. <laughs> so you like throw it on Insta and hoping like throw some shade about it that she'll read it, right? Yeah. So it's, you can do that. But the, the Ezekiel 3.10 is saying, let it sink into your own heart. Like listen to it carefully for yourself. And, it, and this app that I showed you, it's a great app. I think there's other apps on the app store that you can buy or you can download to help you memorize. But my initial reason was for worship. But now that I've been doing it for some like eight years now, I didn't start when you guys were like in high school. I started just like eight years ago and I started with one verse. I didn't start with 82. At one point, I think I had over a hundred memorized and then I forgot some. So I had to like put them back in the new category and wait for another time. But nonetheless, I found some amazing benefits to this. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yeah. It really, it makes me stronger against temptation. If I'm struggling with temptation, I have a verse memorized. It's 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And it says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can handle. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So I hear this verse. If I'm feeling feeling tempted in some way, feeling tempted to lie, feeling like lustful temptations, whatever, I quote this verse. I go, the temp I'm, I'm not alone in this. God will show me a way out. And it helps me. You like quote it to yourself? Yeah, I quote, like I'll yeah. say it out loud. And I'm just like, no, the temptations in my life are no different from what yeah. others, their experience. God is faithful. He will not allow it to be more than I, I, I quote it. It's like be you're preaching to yourself. Absolutely. I'm preaching to myself with this scripture. But if I didn't have it memorized, I might not, it might not be ready when I need it in that moment, right? Because when you're tempted, you're not necessarily trying to think, well, maybe I should go get a Bible and see if I should go through this temptation, right? You, you, but it's in that moment, if it's in your heart, you can act on it. Right, or even if like you need help with your thinking, if you get stuck in your head having negative thoughts, have scriptures memorized like Philippians 4, 8. says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It, it, it makes me like fix my crap, honestly. Yeah. Like if, <laughs> if I'm to be honest, when I'm just like feeling like something's not fair, when I should have like, I, somebody got something and I'm feeling like that's not 
cool. Like I'm looking at, maybe I'm like, somebody got a new truck and I'm just like, that's cool. Why don't I get a new truck? I don't know, all of those things. I have verses to snap me out of that stuff. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own, just for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I have this verse because there are times when I am selfish. I have this verse memorized because there's times when all I'm trying to do is impress other people. And so I use this verse. The truth is, guys, I have all of these verses memorized And I use them up on stage like once a month where I'm like, oh yeah, I have that verse memorized and it fits with the song. And maybe that's just something I need to like tell the kids. But for my own personal life, I use like three or four of these every day. This isn't like a star chart thing. I'm not trying to like push you to like do some homework or like this look cool thing. I'm not trying to impress you with my scripture memorization. It's not about that. Having God's word in my heart, having it memorized means that no matter where I go, no matter what I'm doing, I can hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. I can hear God's words. If my phone's dead, if I'm in a place where there's no service, if I don't have my Bible close to me, whatever happens, I can always hear the word of God. And the truth is, guys, like you don't have to be perfect. The beautiful thing about having a phone in your pocket is just like, I'm pretty sure there's this verse that's like soaring like eagles, but I don't remember exactly where it is. You go look up in the Bible app, soar like eagles. And then you're like, oh, it's Isaiah 40, 31. And, if, and so you, you have that access and that's awesome. But it's also good to like look at that scripture and start bringing it into your heart. And the truth is, guys, start now. Work on one verse once a month and you're going to be way ahead of where I am even now because I didn't start at your age. I started at like 23 to memorize these scriptures and really try and let them sink in. But if you start now and just start with one. So what if we did that? So last week we did a Bible plan challenge where we said, hey, everybody download the Bible app and do this plan. So what if this week we tried all of us together to memorize a scripture. The one that I quote, I I use this verse all the time is Philippians 4, 6. And it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So pull out your cell phone, take a shot of our screen so you've got it. Mm -hmm. This is the verse for the week that we're all gonna try to memorize. Put it on your, put it on like the front of your phone, the wallpaper on the front of your phone, whatever you have to do just to remember, write it, like go home, Remember the scripture, go home, write it on your bathroom window, whatever you need to do to just keep it in front of you. The truth is, guys, this scripture is important because if you can worry about it, you can pray about it, right? Mm -hmm. And so the steps to this is if you start worrying about something, worrying about school, worrying about your your friendships, worrying about whatever, quote the scripture. Go back to the scripture and say, okay, God's, the the Philippians 4, 6 is don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what I need and thank him for all he's done. Now, that's great. You quoted a scripture. This scripture has all sorts of actions, things you need to do in it. So do the things that the scripture you have in your brain says. All right, so I need to stop worrying and I need to pray about it. God, I'm going to pray about it. Tell God what you need. God, I need help studying for this test or I need help having this conversation with my friends. I need help. And then thank him for all he has done. So use action steps 
in this scripture. It does you no good. It would do me no good to have all these scriptures memorized if I didn't apply it to my life. So that's what I want us to do this week. Let's try and memorize Philippians 4, 6. Get it in your brain and then get it in your heart and see how God can use it to change your life. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we thank you that you gave us your word. We thank you that we can trust your word. We thank you that we live in a time that we have access to your word in so many different ways, paper, phone. We can literally get into your word whenever and wherever we are. And that was not always the case. And so God, we want to be faithful and, and good stewards of this like season of life where we have time and we have your word available to us. So God, help us get into it. God, when we try and take steps forward in reading your word, help us to get excited about it. When we're trying to memorize a scripture, help it like lock into our brains and bring it up in those moments where we need it most. Be with all of us this Thanksgiving break and watch over us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.